we were walking like to my car and Patrick said, are your parents going to have a problem with me? And I thought it was the strangest question. And I, I said, how do you mean? And he's like, well, because I'm, I'm Chinese. And I'm like, why would that ever be a problem? And I was like, oh my God, like, no, like that was nowhere even on my radar to consider. And then I thought, oh my God, are your parents going to have a problem with me? And he's like, no, no, they, they know you're white. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Hello and hola, friends. Welcome to the Medicine, Marriage, and Money podcast, the only podcast for dual physician couples who want to achieve marital interdependence and financial freedom together. In this podcast, you will learn how to show up as the best version of yourself so that you can love intentionally and build a stronger and more financially savvy relationship with your spouse. And I am your host, a physician mom, a doctor's wife, and a life coach, Dr. Kate Mangona. Welcome. Bienvenidos. Panacea Financial provides banking for doctors because it was founded by doctors. They have nationwide loan, checking, and savings options designed specifically for doctors and doctors in training. Their specialized suite of financial products gives medical students, residents, and practicing physicians greater freedom to forge their futures and at affordable rates. By reducing financial barriers and burdens, Panacea Financial ensures that all doctors have increased capacity to serve their patients and the population at large. Do you need a good home for your bank? Banking needs, go to panaceafinancial.com. That is panaceafinancial.com to get started. Panacea Financial is a division of Premies member FDIC, and the link will be in the show notes. Please help me welcome our guest on today's show of Medicine, Marriage, and Money, Dr. Carolyn Lee. Dr. Lee has been practicing as a family physician in New Hampshire for the past 15 years. She is from the island portion of Newfoundland and Labrador, Canada. Prior to immigrating to the United States, she locumed in rural and remote areas of Canada, including First Nations reservations, then would fly to the U.S. for three to four weeks to see her hubby, Patrick. Dr. Patrick Lee, her husband, is an emergency medicine physician. Together, they have three children, ages 15, 13, and 10. And the family is completed by two guinea pigs, Honey and Timbit. Yes, named after those delicious Tim Hortons donut rounds, if you guys are familiar with that. I know I didn't know about Tim Hortons until I moved to Michigan. So welcome, Dr. Carolyn Lee. <laughs> Thank you, Kate, for having me. For sure, yeah. Just Let's just start out telling us a little bit about you, like wh what you're doing right now. Yeah. So we are settled down in New Hampshire. Again, kept pretty busy with the three children. It's amazing. We thought, you know, with small kids, things were busy and that as they got older, it would be less busy, but it's a different kind of busy, a, a sort of driving them around everywhere, busy with sports and activities. Yeah. So it's not that that like physically draining. It's more the, the sort of getting used to the putting up with the teenagers mentality, draining and the driving around and just working away. And before COVID, you know, hanging out with friends, we enjoy hosting, just having kitchen parties. I don't know if that's a familiar term here in the States or not, 
It's a term we would use in Newfoundland where you get people together and really you just hang out in the kitchen and just like eat things, have music playing, just talk. Yeah, just, just to get together with friends. And then what kind of, like, do you have food that you've made or you've catered or people bring over? A little bit of both. A, a bit of everything, yeah. No, so do you have any advice for like people like me who have young children of how we can prepare for them to become teenagers and then prepare for this different sort of busy? Meditate. Learn to meditate now. (laughs) Okay, got it. Okay, I probably do not meditate enough. Although I am teaching my three and a half year old headspace meditations. We do set. Yeah, fabulous. Good. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, I don't don't know that there's any preparing because like I always... You know, my girls were like the meekest, mild, most polite, whatever. And then the first time, my 15-year-old, who still is like a little lady, like was saucy to me. I was like, what? Like, did you just say, like, repeat that, please? You know, so it's kind of shocking, but kind of funny at the same time. But you have to be the parent, right? It's like, excuse me, we don't talk like that, you know? It was never, see, my three and a half year old is very sassy to me. Maybe it'll flip. Maybe she won't be when she's a teenager. Or maybe you're really in for it, right? Maybe I am. Oh my gosh. Well, okay, let's talk a little bit about since you are on the Medicine, Marriage, and Money show, I ask all my guests what their definition of marital interdependence is. And what does that mean to you? Yeah, that is such a really, really fascinating question because I had never heard or really thought of that term before. But then when you think about it, it makes so much sense. So to me, that means together as a couple, you know, you're a team, each complements the other, you sort of hand off to each other as needed, you each have your own strengths, but you're not needy on each other. You know, you need each other as a team, but you're not needy on each other. I love that. Yeah. Work is a team. Oh my gosh. That's what I was thinking of. What was the most successful part of my weekend? I was like, me and my husband, we really worked as a team this weekend. That is so important, right? Just to complement our strengths may be different and weaknesses, but yeah. Perfect. Okay. And then let's tell us, let's talk about your husband then. Tell us about the first time you guys met. So we actually met in medical school in Newfoundland. At that time, the medical school opened up seats to quote unquote international students, which were really American students. So that's how he found himself up in Newfoundland. And really for most of medical school, I was dating a- another guy, not, not in medical school, but near in fourth year, we broke up and I, you know, I was single and as a class, you know, we'd go out dancing and go to the different bars and have fun. Right. And I knew Patrick was always up for, and still is always up for a good time and always loves to dance. And I say he's got the moves like Jagger because he totally does, right? So one night, it was a Thursday night, I remember, and there was a, a, a local band playing and I wanted to go out and I was, thought, who would be up for going out? So I called up a few of our medical school classmates, called up Patrick because he was roommates with one of my other really good friends and Pat was up for it. And so that night, you know, we were dancing and felt that like connection, you know, we're both single. But in my mind, I'm like, it's fourth year. He's American. He has to go back to the States. I'm Canadian. I'm from Newfoundland. Typically people from Newfoundland stay in Newfoundland. Like we don't leave. And I'm like, and I'm not leaving. So this will never work. 
but he, you know, felt that connection too. So about a week later, I was over to their house for a barbecue. And, you know, at the end of the night, he kissed me and, you know, it was all very nice and whatever. And I said to him, you know, I can see my future in your eyes. I can see children. I, I truly can. But you're American and I'm from Newfoundland. And so this will never work. So this is like done. That's what you said after the kiss? Yeah. <laughs> I guess, how do we handle that? Well, it's funny because my two good friends who, are roommate, who were roommates with him said the next day, what did you say to Patrick? I'm like, nothing, why? They're like, because he was up all night playing video games. Like we woke up like eight o'clock in the morning and he was like glued to the TV, like playing video games. Like he hadn't slept. And this was him just thinking it over, thinking it over, how could this work out? Because by then we had both already applied for residencies in separate countries, right? So as it turned out, he asked me out for dinner and then things just, you know, it's like, well, well, we'll just see where it goes. You know, we'll just see how it works out. So in Canada, family medicine is just two years, the residency. So yeah, we did long distance. Oh, and he, where did he go? He went back to the United States for residency. He went to Jacksonville, Florida. But we would see each other during residency probably every maybe three months. And I was always the one to fly down because he was doing a surgical residency. So he really had zero time. And family medicine, I think just by even the culture of it being family medicine was much more forgiving, you know. And I did a rural medicine a residency. So I would like work more on the weekends so that I could finish my rotation sh like earlier and then like have four or five days where I could fly down and see him. So yeah, it was pretty flexible. And you said he did a surgical residency? He did for one year and then switched over to emergency medicine. Wow. Okay. So he's, yeah, really good at procedures. And how far into fourth year were you, did you guys start to hang out? It was like the, yeah, July. Yeah, at the beginning of, I guess, yeah, at the beginning of fourth year. Okay, so you had the whole fourth year to like really connect and, okay. So yeah, when, when was it that you fell in love? Was it during fourth year? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And what did that look like? Like, how did you know you were in love with him? Oh, I mean, I knew after like the second or third date, I came home and I said to my mom, I was like, I guess I'll be moving to the United States because I'm marrying him. Like he is the one. And my, and my mother laughed and she's like, does he know this? I'm like, no, no. And then how long after this was the proposal? Tell us about that. The proposal. Oh my gosh. So I had never been to Disney World and Pat, you know, Pat was living in Jacksonville, Florida. So that, so it was just a drive to Disney, not, you know, a couple of hours. And I thought for sure that he was going to propose to me in Disney World. Like, so we had been together then about. 18 months, I guess. And, you know, I had been doing all this travel back and forth, back and forth. And, you know, at one point he had, uh, you know, when I was down for a visit, you know, he'd work these string of rotations and I would just see him quickly, you know, and he had bought me a bridal magazine. So I thought, oh, okay, he's on board too, you know. So I thought for sure he's going to propose to me at Disney World. So the whole time, Kate, in Disney World, every corner I'm like, he's going to propose now like okay it's fireworks he's gonna propose now like no proposal at disney world no proposal right 
So we're driving back to Jacksonville. I'm no good with directions. I'm not paying attention. I am like PO'd because I'm like, he's stringing me along. I'm never flying back down here again. This is over. I'm staring out the window. I'm like, I'm not shaving my legs for the rest of this trip because he's not coming anywhere near me. Like I'm making sure of it. Like, you know. And he was wondering, like afterwards when we talked, he was wondering why I was being so distant. And there was a big billboard and it was like a wedding event. What are those called? Those big wedding events. Oh, when when you put the names, like the names like so and so and so and so are getting married or congratulations, that kind of thing. Is it a Dispo, is that what it's called? A wedding guest bow or, or wedding? Oh, when they have the huge. Yes. Fenders. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So he pointed it out to me. He's like, oh, look, a big, a big wedding, like big convention. And I was like, so what are you telling me for? That's for brides. And then I turned my head back out the window, you know, I wouldn't talk to him. So as it turns out, we, we drive to Amelia Island. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, we're not home. Maybe like this is your last chance. So we check in. I'm still not really talking to him. We go down to the beach and I love collecting seashells. And so we're collecting seashells. And he's like, do you like this one? And we're, we're on separate parts of the beach. Cause again, I'm kind of, I'm still livid. And hurt, like truly hurt, right? Because I was like, I could have enjoyed Disney so much more, you know, instead of expecting to get engaged at any minute. And he came over, I, I was back on to him and he said, how about this one? And I turned around and he was on bended knee with the ring in his hand. And so he proposed. Yeah, so it was just two of us, you know, in March on a beach. Yeah, so it was really nice. Yeah, and how did your feelings or change at that moment? Oh, it was good. And I knew I was going to shave my legs, and it was good. <laughs> well, yeah, you had expected. Now, why was it you had expected it at Disneyland? Was it just because you had never been there, and it was like the right time? You had been talking about it? Exactly. Well, that's what I figured. I was like, I'd never been there. Maybe during the fireworks. And he was like, when I told him this, he's like, give me a break. Like, I would not propose at Disney. <laughs> like, I would do something like, you know. And no offense to anybody who's been engaged in Disney, because I thought it would be beautiful to be engaged at Disney, clearly, right? No worries, Carolyn. Hey, believe me, we were engaged on it. Um, Victor proposed on a Disney cruise, so I'm a Disney fanatic. Right? So we've been like 13 times since and three cruises too. Like, we are, you know. But he was like, no, I something much more, something much more us, you know, like, yeah. Well, that's awesome. And then, and so, yeah. And then tell us a little bit about what happened afterwards and you, you know, the wedding planning stages. So the wedding planning stages was really fun. I planned, you know, a big, you know, Catholic wedding, you know, the sit down dinner. I'm from a great big family, you know, Irish Catholic family. I had everything planned out. In Newfoundland, Patrick's family was flying up. Even his his grandmother from Hong Kong was coming. I mean, it was yeah everything. An aunt from Taiwan, yeah, because he was the first of like the grandchildren to get married as well. So it was a really big deal. And I remember I was in a, a rural area. It was my last rotation of fam, like before I finished residency. And I logged onto my email, and Pat. And I was due to fly down to Jacksonville to see Patrick 
for, I think it was like six days or something. And he's like, hey, just spoke with the immigration lawyer. They said we should have an American-issued marriage certificate. So we're eloping to Vegas, baby. Everything's planned. And I literally got chest pain. Like, I've never had chest pain before. I literally, like, <sighs> This was in his email. Just in an email. And again, he's doing a surgical residency. So it's not like I can, like, call him up. Like, I can't reach him, you know? So I think it was a day before I got to speak to him on the phone. And I'm like, what does this even mean? Like, is my, is my wedding over? Like, what's, what's happening? What do, what, you know, what do we tell the priest? And the priest was absolutely fine. He, he just had to change the wording a little bit because we were already married. For our, our Catholic wedding, we were already married because we did. We eloped to Vegas, just he and I. Patty, Patty the photographer was our witness. Yeah, at the Chapel of Dreams. So what happened? I flew to Jacksonville a day later. We flew to Vegas. We stayed in Vegas for two days, flew back to Jacksonville, and then I flew back to Canada. And so that was for legal reasons you guys did that? Yeah. Yep. The immigration lawyer said it would be easier for my immigration to the States to have an American-issued marriage certificate. Oh, and he had already been, like you said, he, so his family was from Hong Kong. And how long had he been in the States? Since he was, I believe, 12. And, and tell us a little bit about that, like the cultural differences between his family, because his family's still in Hong Kong and Taiwan, it sounds like, or some of them. Yeah, some of them are. His parents are, you know, because they immigrated, like they are here in the United States. But it, it's funny because right from the get-go, I remember Patrick and I, when we were in medical school, we were walking like to my car and Patrick said, are your parents going to have a problem with me? And I thought it was the strangest question. And I, I said, how do you mean? And he's like, well, because I'm, I'm Chinese. And I'm like, why would that ever be a problem? And I was like, oh, my God. Like, no, like that was nowhere even on my radar to consider. And then I thought, oh, my God, are your parents going to have a problem with me? And he's like, no, no, they, they know you're white. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So when we graduated medical school, as sort of our celebration, we went to Hong Kong. And that's where Patrick's grandmother was. And I had already met his parents. I had flown to Indiana and met his parents. And, you know, they were really happy that we were going to go to Hong Kong and meet grandma. And I kind of knew that getting acceptance from grandma into the family was a part of this trip. And if I didn't meet grandma's approval, things probably were going to be questionable for the future of Carolyn and Patrick, right? And was that hard? Was grandma's approval hard? She, I will say she is hardcore. She was hardcore. She passed away a couple of years ago. God love her. When I first met her, it was dim sum, of course. And she was, she was sat at the table. I'll never forget it. And there was a no smoking sign like right above her head. And she was sat there smoking, tapping her ashes on the floor. So I was like, oh gosh, oh no, oh, I got a real tiger here. I got a real tiger. So it, Patrick's mother had said to me, whatever she serves you, you have to eat it. You don't have to eat all of it, but you have to eat it. And I thought, okay, you know, having never left Newfoundland, like my first visit out of the country of Canada was Indiana, you know, so 
I had no idea what I was going to be served. So she serves me, of course. It starts off with soup. And the soup is lovely. But it's, I realize it's later it's shark fin soup, which is a delicacy. Really, it was really nice. Then comes, you know, rice, you know, wrapped in the, 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 the leaf and the, the, right? And, you know, dantas and all, all, all these other things. And then comes the chicken feet, right? With the nails on and they're cold, right? And I'm like, just chewing away, gnawing away. And I'm like thinking in my head, it's for love. It's for love. You only have to do it once. You only have to ever do this once in your life, you know? And I'm kind of pretending like I'm on the, like the show Survivor. That's, what I'm, that's how I'm kind of getting myself through it. Then out comes like half-cleaved baby ducklings. Like you can see like the beak, the eye, like it's like an anatomical, like someone took a, a, like an, like a cleaver and just went, Shh. and they were like deep fried. I was like, Oh goodness. Okay. Wow. I've never seen that at my dim sum place. I've never seen it in the States. So definitely it's in Hong Kong. Oh, you liked it? Yeah, it was good. It was good. It was better than the chicken feet cake. I'm going to have to ask. I have a really good friend who's Taiwanese. And when we go to, when I go to dim sum with her in, in uh, Los Angeles, I love most all the dim sum. We except I've never, I've just never been brave enough to try the chicken feet. She'll eat it. She'll eat all the chicken feet. I, I, but there's nothing on it to eat but fat. That's the thing. I don't even understand. You know, like it's just skin. I mean, it's not like bacon. Bacon is just fat, right? And we eat. Lots. Oh no, there's there's some meat on that in that bacon case. Come on now. Well, this is great. Okay, so you ate the dim sum, and then. And, and she eventually approved of you. Oh, yep. She, she thought I was great. And we had an amazing relationship. And, you know, she would come stay at our house when they were in the United States. And the, the Lee family, mom and dad Lee, and uh, grandma would come visit us. And I would make this dessert that she would love. And even though we didn't understand each other, when, say, Patrick's parents, I remember one time Patrick's parents and Pat had to go out. And so that left me with grandma, and that's what I would call her, grandma or Lolo. And I would point to the dessert. It was like 10 o'clock in the morning, and I would, I was like a chocolate trifle. And she would nod, yes, yes. And I would just scoop a big old dish of it for her, right? So every time they would come to her house, she would ask Mom Lee to ask me to make that for her. So, yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. Oh, my gosh. Okay, and now, yeah, you guys are just one happy family. What, what, what other, are there any other things you like you bring into your children? Do you teach, you know, the cultural traditions or anything like that to your children? Yeah, so Chinese New Year that, you know, teach them like numbers. Okay, okay, so they get a little bit. And then, and let's switch gears a little bit and talk about your, your marriage, your relationship between you and Patrick now, because you have been married for how many years? We have been married 18 years. 18 years. Well, congratulations. Did you, is there, are you, you know, I've always curious after you've married 18 years, what, what else is there to learn? Like, and especially during this pandemic, because I feel like so many people have learned more about each other. They've either wanted to stay together or not stay together during the pandemic. What happened to you and Patrick during the pandemic? You know, it's a funny, funny thing. Like, it doesn't even seem like it's 18 years. Like, we've been together 21 years, right? And it doesn't even seem like that at all. And 
Like I just adore him, right? So when the pandemic came, like he's an ER doc, right? So he's like in the trenches, right? So at first, like I was so worried, like so worried that he was going to get sick and more so than that, like that he was going to die, like catastrophic thinking. That's where my mind went. It's like, oh my God, how am I going to manage with these three children? How am I going to like sell the house? Who's going to help me pack up? How am I going to move back to Canada? Like the borders are closed. Like what's, you know, like, I mean, my mind went, oh, totally. Right. And he was sleeping. Like we had to change everything. So he was sleeping in my son's bedroom with a private bathroom and, you know, bleaching everything down and, you know, changing in the garage before he would come in, like doing all the things you're supposed to do. And so we did that for two months and I thought about it and I said, Pat, like this is not going away anytime soon. Like this virus is not going away anytime soon. And if you're going to get sick or if I'm going to get sick and one of us is going to end up like in the ICU, tubed or eventually die, I want to know that at least I spent a night in my like husband's arms, or at least we go to bed together each night. And so we just stopped all that and it stopped. And so, you know, we, we sleep in the same room, like in the same room, like, yeah. And after two months, I'm sure that, right. You said it was about two months. Yeah. Two months. And it was like that's a long time, right? Yeah. My husband and I, we were purposefully separated ourselves at the beginning of the pandemic for about two, yeah, about two, two and a half months as well. Cause it's like, we, I guess we thought it was going to end at some point and then it <laughs> didn't. Yeah. It's like, when, when is enough enough? But I'm sure you guys were all, I mean, we're, we were all still physicians, still cautious and, you know, Oh, I mean, we have like diluted bleach, like in the shower. So after he showers, like everything it's, it's sprayed down. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, his scrubs are washed separately. Like, you know, just we do all the things, right. We still take precautions and none of us have gotten sick, knock on wood and thank goodness for the vaccinations. Right. So. Right. So you guys are both fully vaccinated now. Yes. Yeah. What is the, the situation in, in the, city that you live in now? Are people still wearing masks? Are there things, everything's still back open again? And yeah, things are open. I have to say that people of New Hampshire are really good about wearing masks, really good transmission rates. I think now it's like single digits. Yeah. Uh, hospitalization rates are going down. Yeah. So, but the people of New Hampshire definitely have been very, very good about following public health protocols. Yeah. And since Pat, you know, since his family is from Hong Kong or Taiwan, did they, did you guys kind of know this was coming before everybody else or did he, his family have different thoughts about this? No, no. Like Pat, you know, we follow like global news. So he, you know, he had been reading about it. And so he had ordered like, I think it was like 70, 50 or 75, like of those white, like Tyvek suits. like. Yeah. And so he gave like two to every ER doc just because he knew that the hospital didn't have them and probably wouldn't be able to get access to them. Right. And so just thinking about keeping people safe, you know, as best as he could. Right. And he bought one of those, I don't know, I call them mosquito masks. So he, he was doing everything he could because I was in tears. I was like, Oh, how are you going to stay safe? You're going to die, you know? 
you're going to have the two people with COVID. And, and he's like, I've done, I've been reading, I've been reading for weeks. You, you don't know, you don't see me, but I, I, I've been doing it. And I was like, okay, all right. Okay, good. Yeah. He's being, he wants you to know he's, he's, he knows what's up. He's going to be caught. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and do you guys have any daily or weekly or yearly rituals you guys have that sets you up for success in your marriage or maybe even yourself or with your children? I think a big thing is like, we still like, as soon as one of us comes in the house, like we always like go over to the other one and give them like a, a kiss or a hug. We'll dance around in the kitchen. We go out for dates, especially now that our oldest is 15. She can babysit, right? <laughs> she doesn't she like that. She doesn't mind. She, you know, she likes the independence of it, you know. And the th- her, both she and our 13-year-old daughter have done the babysitter's course. So they kind of like that independence and that they're being trusted. And the little guy, he doesn't mind because he knows that he'll get a movie when mom and dad go out. The TV's going to go on. So, so it's good for him. How often do you guys try to go on date night? Usually every two weeks. Now with COVID, not definitely, definitely not as much at all. And sometimes it's with other couples, and sometimes it's just alone. Yeah. No, that's perfect. I found when we, when Victor and I go on our date nights, whether it's once a week or if we only just happen to get two in that month, it's so helpful, right? Because otherwise, it totally is. It just even just having that car ride to go to the restaurant is like. It just resets things, right? Like it really. It's just you and him. I love how you guys kiss each other when you walk in the door. You greet because it's so like, especially after so many years, it's so easy to just come home and do your own thing, right? But I have to, yeah, like if I'm in the kitchen cooking or not cooking, I don't really cook. But if I'm like preparing or feeding the kids, making sure their kids are getting food in their mouth. Yeah, it's hard to stop. I mean, they make it easier. I always try to model after my dog, my little seven pound poodle, because she's just, you know, gets so excited and runs to the door. And it's easier for me to kind of like follow her. And let's talk about, let's shift gears into money a little. Because so, I know you guys are real estate investors now, right? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. <laughs> How did you get it? Yes, Pat got the bug from, well, I was doing the, um, EWP, so Empowering Women Physicians course. And I don't know if it was from there or just seeing an ad come up. And Patrick all along sort of had an interest. And I saw Kenji and Letty's program. And I said to him, okay, you need to watch this because I think you would really like this. And so he watched their, I guess it was a webinar. And he was like, kind of gave me the face. And then he's like, yeah, okay, I'm doing it. So, and he signed up. And yeah, so we have a property actually in Florida. Yeah. It's, we had to, did the, the sort of remodeling that needed to get done and have a property manager and now just getting some tenants. Okay, perfect. And then you're going to start seeing that checks come in and it makes sense. Uh, I mean, not that everything does right now, I mean, it does now, but it's exciting, right? When you get that first check. Oh, totally. Yeah. And yeah, just going to keep going. He's still got his eye out, you know, always got his eye out, right? And he's like, oh, you gave me the bug. You gave me the bug. Oh, you, you unleashed 
the beast, I think he said. Unleash the beast. So you kind of knew, was he always into finances or how did you know? Oh my God. Yes, he totally was. And I remember in Jacksonville, when we were like packing up like boxes, there was a copy of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I rolled my eyes. I'm like, are you even friggin' serious? Like, oh my God. And he's like, no, you need to, you need to read that. You like you had read it, right? No, and this was like what twenty some odd years ago, right? Like, or nineteen years ago, right? And fast forward, and I do Bonnie Koo's women or the her financial course, right? Last summer, and I think it was either through her course or through empowering women physicians, a one on one coaching session with her. She mentioned like. Oh, and you know, you should read like, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I'm like, oh yeah, okay, absolutely. So I ordered the book off Amazon. There I am at the kitchen table or in, in the living room, like reading away. And Pat's like, oh, so when one of your PMG girls tells you to read it, you'll read it. And I'm like, yep. yep. <laughs> so thank you, Bonnie. <laughs> so- that sounds just like Victor. He's like, hey, yeah, why don't you listen to me when I tell you this? Right? Yeah. So in fairness, in Canada, we have the wealthy barber. And I had read that sort of at the end of residency. So I had an idea of what I should be doing, like with the money I was making. And I think that really got me off on the right foot because I... The wealthy barber, absolutely. And I bought copies like for my siblings, my parents. And that gave me an appreciation, you know, for how to manage, you know, that money needs to be managed, right? So for us, we we totally went the route of like living like red, like not living well below our means and just saving, saving, saving. Like I remember our first house, the mortgage was or the value of the house was less than half of what our annual annual salary was. Like we could have just like bought out the house, you know, and, but we were able to, we traveled, you know, and we, I mean, we, we would take two and three trips a year. And, and did, did you guys have all your money in like one mutual account or did you guys have separate accounts? Yeah, no, I mean, we were all in together. I mean, switched my name to Lee. All the money is just one pot. It's ours together, period. Yeah. And if you wanted to buy something that would be okay, or did you guys consult about it or? Usually it's fine. But like when I want to do like coaching, you know, I'll say to him, Hey, is it okay if I do this program? And the answer is always yes. Right. And like, if he needs actually I don't even think he runs like when he, when he needs to get like a new snowblower or something like it's just needed for the house. Like he just, I come home and it's like, there's a different color snowblower or, or there's a John Deere tractor in our freaking garage because it's somehow going to help the lawn because we have a bigger property now. And I, and I don't care. Right. Because he is really, really, when it comes to me, he'll let me spend whatever, but, for him, like he's really like cautious. 
Well, what would you say is your smart, the smartest financial decision you, you have ever made in your life? And this could be separate from him or together. I think it was definitely like reading and knowing at least something about finance. Mm, was it the wealthy barber? It was the wealthy barber. And as well, having a mentor, like if you had like having someone who's willing to sit down with you and say like very openly, like, this is how much money comes in. Like, this is what you need to do. So in Canada, most doctors are, well, most are private practice, right? You're a sole, you're, you're the employee, you have a business, right? And so the last place I had worked, uh, he said, you know, you need to understand like how a, a business works or what you need to do with your money. So he sat down with his ledger and he said, okay, like when your money comes in, like a third, you know, he told me about, you know, the, the thirds pretty much it's going to be, you know, taxes or, or I should say overhead taxes. And then you keep a third and just do that with every check. You know, and then with the third you keep, make sure that you're investing, right? That you're saving and investing. And this is one of the mentors you had? Yeah, this was another family physician who I, he was my attending, so to speak, when I was a senior resident. And yeah, he was so kind to just offer to do that. Wow. Do you think that Canadian physicians are, are a little bit better about knowing financials? They, ha they have to be because they run their business. They have to be, right? And I, I guess we could say the same for maybe the private practice physicians here. For sure. America too, rather than like academics where we just kind of go to work and get paid. Okay. Well, nice. Thank you so much, Carolyn. Are there, is there anything else we know we haven't touched or covered or did we cover everything? Any, any big take-home points about medicine, marriage, money, kids, culture, anything or anything we just want to emphasize? As we wrap up you know not being excessive is a, is a key thing and I think a big thing now that I'm older than I you know I should or are more experienced let's say is just believing believing in yourself right and that and that you're you're worthy yes believe in yourself I love that well, thank you so much, Dr. Carolyn Lee. Please let us know where we can find you in case people want to follow you. Sure. I um, have a, a website, which is physiciantthoughtwork.com. I'm on Facebook at physiciantthoughtwork.com because I'm also doing some life coaching. And Instagram at Carolyn Lee MD, and that's Carolyn with a K. Yes, K A R O L Y N. Perfect. Okay, well, and I'll have all that in the show notes so people can can link to that. And again, thank you so much for coming and sharing all those cute stories with the chicken feet and the Las Vegas elopement. And believe in yourself. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So thank you. I really, really enjoyed it. And thank you for bringing the word out. Thank you, Carolyn. Oh, and by the way, don't forget to reach out to Panacea Financial for your banking needs as a physician because they are built by physicians. Panacea's PRN personal loan was designed specifically for physicians and physicians in training. Go to panaceafinancial.com and open your new account today. Panacea Financial is a division of Premius Member FDIC. Oh my gosh, this is 
fabulous show with Dr. Carolyn Lee. Okay, so the big take-home points I got from Dr. Carolyn Lee. Number one, if you go to Disneyland or Disney World with your fiance and expect to get engaged, you may not enjoy the day as much, especially if you are going to be expecting the ring, the question at every corner. I think this also kind of reminds me that with, with any expectations you have, right, you're setting yourself up for disappointment if they're not met. So let's check our expectations, guys. Me included. <laughs> Number two, sometimes you need to hear advice from the right people before you take action. And sometimes the right people is not your spouse and vice versa. Sometimes you are not the right people to tell your spouse <laughs> advice or constructive criticism. So, or even your children, right? So remember that a similar message from a stranger may be delivered slightly differently than you would deliver it. Or from a friend who may, may help things fall into place. How can you take action from this? Well, if you think your spouse or your children or even you need to hear somebody, hear something, need a bit of advice, because it's all about asking the right person, about receiving that advice from the, the right person with the, with the perfect demeanor, the perfect tone, the perfect message, right? This can be very difficult sometimes in our own family and friend circle. So let's, let's ponder this. Number three, finding a money mentor could change the trajectory of your financial future. In Canada, for Carolyn Lee, she mentioned as, as a Canadian that since most physicians are in private practice, this is actually a more routine part of their training is to have a financial mentor, a money mentor to kind of show them the ropes of how to run a medical practice. You got to be financially smart in your own business. This is not always the case in the States from what I've found, especially if you're in academics. And even if you're going into pr a private practice and you've trained in academics, we're just not usually taught a bunch about money. We've got to worry about the medicine part first, taking care of our patients. So find yourself a money mentor. Let's aim that trajectory of your financial future for success. And that is it, my friends. If any of this resonated with you, please share. Share with a friend who you think needs to hear it. I love it. And always reach out to me on social media. Come join us at Medicine, Marriage, and Money Facebook group. Come join my husband's Facebook group, 39.6. If you ever want to get more money, financial advice, I just am the tip of the iceberg, folks. My husband, he gets really, really nerdy into the finances. So 39.6 community is where it's at. And of course, I'm always offering free consult coaching call to anybody who's looking to enhance their life, change their life, argue less with their spouse, love more intentionally, go on more vacations, invest more in real estate property, whatever it is, whatever goals you have, come to me. I will help you. I can show you how it's done. And with that, I hope you all walk away asking yourself, would I eat chicken feet for love? <laughs> how can I, or maybe I just eat chicken feet because I love it. I know some of my, you know, you, my friend, my friend does. I have a couple of friends who do. 
Nothing wrong with that. I eat some crazy stuff too. How can I intentionally greet my spouse when they come home? How can I unleash my beast in a good way? Do I believe I am worthy? How can I believe in myself and tell myself that I am worthy every day? That is it, my friends. So much love to you and your spouse. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional, medical, or financial advice. The opinions provided on this podcast are those of myself or the invited guest alone. They do not represent the opinions of any particular institution. Always seek the advice of your physician or financial advisor with any questions you may have of a medical condition or financial plan. This is for your entertainment only.